So today's reading is taken from the Gospel um, of John, um, chapter 16, reading from verse 5. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, why are you going? Because I have said these things. You are filled with grief, but I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from it, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Thank you, Simon. That's great. I just want to add my uh, welcome to Dave's. If I have not met you, my name's Paul, and I'm one of the ministers here as well, along with Dave and Libby. As Dave said, we're going to be uh, continuing with our teaching series, looking at the person of the Holy Spirit and what he does. Um, there's going to be an opportunity to uh, hear from that, to unpack that passage that we've just looked at, uh, that Simon's just read, and then there'll be an opportunity as well at the end to respond uh, accordingly. Let me just pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, there's so much in there. Thank you that you're here with us. And I just pray, Lord, that you position our hearts now, Lord Jesus, to be open to what you want to say, what you want to do, and that, Father, we would draw close to you with confidence. We would know how to respond, what to do with that, Lord Jesus. That, Father, we wouldn't leave this place, Lord God, having not met with you, that we would be transformed and changed into your likeness, Lord. In this space, in this time that we have, come and have your way, we pray. Amen. Well, I remember um, jumping in a yellow, iconic taxi in New York City. Um, the... Um, it was at JFK Airport in New York, and uh, I came out and looked for a taxi, jumped in, and headed to Brooklyn. Um, not being that great at admin, and I was shocked, surprised, horror, I failed to see there was an email saying that a team were going to meet me at the airport, I was going to be an intern, uh, I was going to spend four months in New York, and to be fair, this was 20 years ago, so email had just come into play, it was a bit like everything was quite new, but I kind of rocked up and I was like, oh, I'm in New York, what do you do in New York? You get a yellow taxi, I'm uh, in... Um, the airport, I need to get to Brooklyn, let me just go and find a taxi. So I jumped in a yellow cab and I was on my way to Brooklyn while the team, uh, ministry team, were in the airport just waiting, where is Paul? And I'm hooting along towards Brooklyn in this yellow cab. I'd paid all my money, I'd given him the address. I did everything that I thought I should do to get to the place that I needed to get to. Then something weird happened. The yellow taxi cab pulled into a petrol station and he said, okay, that's as far as I'm going to go. I was like, What? And he said, no, no, I'm, I'm going to stop here. I'll leave you here. I'm going to send for somebody else to come 
and pick you up. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, my money's good. Like, look at these dollars. Like, these dollars get me to where I need you to get me. We've explained this. I've given you the address. What do you mean you're going away? What do you mean you're leaving me at the petrol station? This isn't how this is supposed to go. And it was all a bit weird. It was all a bit strange. And I pushed the guy a little bit. I was like, come on, like, what's going on? And then the taxi uh, driver said this. He said, to be honest, if I, the truth is, I'm not going to drive to that address. He said, that's a really rough area of Brooklyn. He said, that's the ghetto. He said, I don't drive my yellow taxi into that part of New York. He said, but I've got a friend that's coming who hasn't got a yellow taxi and it's just his normal car and it hasn't got big words on the side and he doesn't carry cash and he's not a big yellow target that's going to drive into Brooklyn. I'll slip you in under the radar in this unmarked taxi. You'll be fine. And I was like 21, and I was living in this small town in the northwest of England. I'd never set foot out of it. I was in the middle of New York. I'd been dropped off in this petrol station. I was like, I'm definitely going to die. I'm definitely going to die. And this guy is going to have a gun in the glove compartment, and this is a whole big scam. What on earth is going to happen? Surely enough, I waited, and I waited for his friend to come, and this car just drove in and he said, oh, I'm friends of the guy that kind of picked you up. Yeah, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'll take you to where you need to go. And he drove me into Brooklyn. And surely enough, when I arrived at Brooklyn, we waited in the traffic lights. It was on red. I looked to my right and there was two gangs going at each other. One of them at the front of the gang had a massive baseball bat and the other gang leader had a big rusty sword. And they were just going for it. And I was like, I'm so glad I was not in a yellow taxi. That would have been absolutely awful. He dropped me off and I'm alive today. It was fine. But a lot of confusion, a lot of questions... Having somebody say they're going to leave you here now and this is where the journey ends wasn't good for me at all. It wasn't good for my mental health or my nerves. It's interesting when we read this because the disciples have journeyed with Jesus to a certain point and he said, that's it, I'm, I'm, I'm going away. And he's like, what do you mean you're going to? I'm going to send somebody else. And like, what do you mean you're going to send somebody else? Like, Jesus, you've lived, you've done amazing things, we've followed you, we've given our lives to you. You've died, you've come back, you've conquered death, and you're going away again. And who are you sending? Like, where are we going? What does the rest of the journey look like for us? Because this isn't how we imagined it. This isn't how it's supposed to play out. When you read the commentaries uh, on this, you look at some of the emotions that the commentaries and the theologians pick up of how the disciples may have been feeling. Here's some of the words they use. Anxiety, confusion, loss, pain, abandoned, grief, orphaned, troubled hearts. The disciples have got a lot of questions. This isn't the way that they imagined it. They'd gone so far with Jesus for him to then say, I'm going away now and somebody else is coming. Created a bit of a whirlwind for them. Some of us might know what that feels like. Some of them words on that screen, we may have experienced loss. We may have experienced somebody walking out on us. We may have experienced somebody going so far with us and then moving to another country. We may have experienced a journey, a relationship, a friendship going so far and then they step away and you feel all these feelings of confusion and hang on, what about the past 10 years? What about this? What about that? We may have experienced somebody passing, dying and then we experience loss and grief and pain as well. These disciples are trying to make sense of the journey and the road ahead. 
One of my uh, favorite musicians, Ray Lamontagne, or Ray Lamontagne, depends on how you want to say it, uh, he wrote these words in a song, Gone Away From Me. For a while, I sat there staring at the photograph. For a while, I cried and tried not to make a scene. There was a time when we were young, it felt like I had it all. But life is long, and my love has gone away from me. I'm feeling you, Ray, feeling the pain. For me, I remember almost 10 years ago when my dad died. And not being able to accept that, I literally tried everything that I physically possibly could to raise him from the dead. We were in the uh, parlor of rest, and I took my shoes off, and I worshipped, and there was my dad in the coffin. And I tried all sorts of stuff. I started praying in tongues. I laid hands on him. I did everything that you could do, pretty much apart from the Old Testament thing, which was lying in the coffin face down onto him, which I didn't think would be a good idea. But I desperately tried to bring my dad back from the dead, tried to raise him from the dead. You hear these stories, don't you, in Africa and other places, of people being raised from the dead and for me it was a relationship and a journey that had been cut short and I was like no no, no that, that that wasn't supposed to happen that wasn't how I wanted to play it out and I, I think I in many ways just wanted to bring him back for him to redeem and restore the broken relationship that I had growing up and I think for me I wanted to bring him back partly because I wanted to amend it and for him to affirm and to love and to show uh, be the father that he's, he, I wanted him to be but his illness couldn't allow him to be and I had all them feelings, loss, grief, confusion. This isn't how it's supposed to be. And then I remember just praying there and, you know, smelling my shoes that were smelling that I'd taken off as I was pacing around and praying and stuff. And as I was just over there and with my dad, I just heard the words, he's gone. He's gone. It was almost like I'd heard a physical door shut. And he's gone. He's gone. The disciples have loved Jesus, like they have just lined their life up with him. He's their Messiah, he's their rabbi, he's their everything. Like they've built their world around this leader. He's the answer to the hope that the people of Israel were, were longing for. He is the answer, he's the one. And he's saying, look, I, I've conquered death. You've seen me on the cross. You've seen me come back. I'm the resurrected Jesus, but I'm going away. The pain and the discomfort and all of that that they would have felt. But then Jesus goes even further. And if we look at verse 7, he says, and it's for your own good. I'm like, what? It is for your good that I am going away. Other translations and other people say it's better that I go away. Hang on, how can it be better that you're going away? Like we are followers of Jesus. We follow you and it's better that you're going away. How does that make sense? That can't be right. Jesus says it's better that I go away. How is it better that Jesus is going away? Well, there was a clue in, in verse 10, because in verse 10, Jesus says, I'm going to the Father where you will see me no more. And we know that Jesus was fully God, fully human, but Jesus was there present at that time in Palestine with them people in one place, in one time. And that's amazing and that's great. And we can see that and we've got the Gospels and so on. But Jesus is saying, I'm going away and I'm sending my spirit, the Holy Spirit, and suddenly we see that Jesus is breathing on them and in them and he's working in them and through them. And the Spirit is everywhere 
on his people at all times, in all places, not in the one fixed place at the one time, in the person of Jesus, but the Spirit of God is breathed in the disciples on them and is working through them and the Spirit of God is at work and active in the world. It's better that I go away because the person that I'm sending, the Holy Spirit, is gonna be with you, he's gonna empower you, he's gonna draw alongside you, he's gonna work through you, he's gonna be active in the world and he's gonna reveal Jesus, he's gonna reveal me to the world. We see in verse 7 that he says, I'm going to send my advocate. Other translations say, I'm going to send the counselor. The Greek word for this is parakletos. Parakletos. And it's a nautical word for a ship that would come alongside and help. So this is complete language that the disciples would have understood. You know, people, they were, they were fishermen. They were people that um, would have understood what the parakletos was, the advocate, the counselor. He said, I'm going away, but I'm sending the advocate, the parakletos, and they're like, oh yeah, I know what that is. When a ship is in distress, and when a ship is out at sea, and, and they're lost at sea, maybe they've been battered by life, battered by the waves. Maybe this ship is in, is, in, is in trouble. The parakletos would come out, and it would draw alongside the ship, and it would bring it back to safety. The parakletos would go out and rescue. It would draw alongside and bring the ship back and restore it, love upon it. Fix it. Take it from a dangerous place and bring it to a place of plenty, a place of safety. So the disciples are getting a clue, actually, of the spirit that Jesus is talking about. Oh, I know who you're sending. I know the, the type of thing that you mean. When my mum and dad's marriage was breaking down, my mum was in a whole world of pain, as you can imagine. And my mum had gone forward like we do here at church, and she'd come to the front and was standing here, and she was just waiting on God uh, in the ministry time. And somebody came and prayed over my mom and they just laid a hand on her and they just said, oh, I have a picture of you being like a little ship, like a little boat out in a stormy sea and you've been battered by the wind and by the waves. And then I have this picture of a ship that's coming alongside you and this ship's going to take you back to a safe haven. This ship's going to bring you back and restore you, reinstate you love upon you. Now, my mum had probably never been to Greece at that time. She didn't know Greek. She didn't know anything about the Paracletos. She'd never read. She'd never heard about that. Yet, the Spirit of God was saying the same thing that Jesus had said 2,000 years ago. In a time of ministry, somebody just had a, a picture that they were brave enough to share. Might, might have got it wrong. It might just be me. But I see you as a small ship, and there's a ship coming alongside you, and it's bringing you back and it's gonna restore you. And that was the story of my mom. That was the story of her life, and she was restored, and she was loved upon. And we do that with others, don't we? We do that with individuals. So the Spirit of God, the advocate, comes and draws alongside us and restores us and is with us and gives us hope and says, I'm taking you, I'm bringing you home. I'm bringing you home. But we can do that for others. We can do that for our neighbors, our work colleagues, our flatmates. We can do that for family members. People that we know are maybe out at sea, not, not physically, although you might know some fishermen. Um, people who are in a world of pain, people who are struggling, people who are starting up a new business, people who are trying a new adventure. We can draw alongside them, like the advocate, like the counselor, like the parakletos. We can draw alongside them and we can help them, restore them, love upon them. This week, we've been um, just inviting, shoulder-tapping people from Saturday Meal. Dave prayed about it earlier, but Saturday Meal, for those that don't know, is a meal that we run every Saturday here in church. 
Uh, and it's a sit-down meal. It's a safe space where people can come and be safe and be seen and be known and have conversation and eat and be warm. But we've been just drawing alongside uh, just a handful of guests and inviting a handful of guests to come. And, what, and particularly this week, we, we draw alongside one, one guy that had come. And it was just amazing to draw alongside him, gather around him to eat a bacon butty outside in the sun, outside of church with him, to bring him into the office, to talk, to read a psalm with him, to pray for him, and to speak truth to him. Like the language that you might hear in the context that you're in and the friends that maybe you're surrounding yourself in, maybe not the right voice to listen to, but we want to speak truth to him. So we read Psalm 139 because that's the psalm that we've been looking at as a church recently. And we said, what do you think about the thought that God knows you? that God sees you, that before you get up in the morning, that God's there, that he knows your thoughts before you think them. And it was just incredible to be able to speak truth over this person, to speak words of life over this person, to draw alongside this person. Just want to ask the question, um, where do you get your truth from? Where do you get your truth from? Is it... A specific newspaper? Is it a news channel? Is it a politician? Is it a family member? Is it a friend? Is it a partner? Where do you get your truth from? Where do you look for your truth that informs you about who you are and what your life is about? In verse 13, we see that Jesus is making this big claim. He's using the words, all truth. He says, um, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And it's a big claim, these words, all truth. The spirit will come and guide you in all truth. Here's a couple of quotes from some of the commentaries that I've been reading about these words, all truth. Such a phrase can be taken out of context. It could refer to all the uh, philosophical and scientific truth of the universe. But here Jesus focuses specifically on truth that he says is mine or is his. Jesus can speak of this truth as all truth because all that belongs to the Father is his or is mine. And then finally, everything the Spirit reveals comes from the Father, and therefore from Jesus. And there's this really interesting interaction going on there when you see what Jesus is saying, that the Spirit will come and he'll speak of all truth, and all truth is mine, is Jesus, and, and, and pointing to God the Father. And we see the Trinity here in a bit of a, a role play, in a bit of a conversation. You've got the arrows going down and the arrows going back, and there's this constant back and forth of the Trinity. You've got God the Father saying, you know what, I'm sending my son and he's going to live and he's going to be amongst you and he's going to show you the way and he's going to point to me and he's going to lead the way and you can't come to the Father except through me. And then you've got Jesus, God the Son, saying, guess what, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and my Holy Spirit's going to come, the Spirit of God, and he's going to come and he's going to reveal Jesus to you and Jesus is the one whose truth is not just truthful, he is truth and Jesus is saying, yeah, I know, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father and God the Father is here and he's a 
amazing and he loves you. Yeah, I know, but I'm sending my son. Jesus is going to come and he's going to conquer death and he's going to forgive sins and he's going to restore the world and it's going to be the hope that you long for. And Jesus said, I know, but I'm sending my spirit and my spirit's going to come and he's going to speak to you about me and about God the Father. And there's this constant line going back and forth with the, this blurred dance of the Trinity. The Godhead three in one, this dialogue, this conversation. And Jesus is saying, it's better that I go away because the Spirit's coming and it's going to draw alongside you. And it's going to encourage you and it's going to speak words of life to you. And it's going to point to me. The Spirit reveals Jesus and Jesus points to the Father. Jesus takes us to the Father. What an amazing synergy. What an amazing line going on right there. And when we encounter God, when we come and, and we wait on God, the Spirit is here. And the Spirit speaks words of life over us. And the Spirit, Spirit reveals Jesus to us. And we encounter Jesus and we're taken to the Father. And we experience the Father's heart, the Father's love. It's an incredible amazing mystery and a lovely amazing thing that is life-giving and Jesus and the Spirit is able to speak things to us that nobody else in the world can because God knows us inside out he knows our thoughts before we think them our words before we speak them It'd be amazing to walk around with Jesus and just spend time with Jesus and have him to speak into our life and challenge and tweak and, and challenge us on stuff and, and love upon us and talk. And how amazing that the disciples had it. And Jesus is saying, I'm sending my spirit and it's going to be in you and it's going to be living in you and it's going to speak in and through you and it's going to be an advocate. It's going to be the paracletos. It's going to draw alongside you. It's going to point to Jesus and it's going to speak of all truth. God the Father is all truth, he embodies truth. And Jesus is saying that the Spirit will reveal Jesus and reveal the Father who is all truth to you. So in connect groups, we've got this opportunity to draw alongside those who are in it. I once knew a guy who was a church leader and he quit and became a shepherd for a bit, a farmer for a bit. And he said he, he'd spend most of his time just sat on the gate. And from the onlooker, people would just say, oh, he's not doing anything. What's he doing? And he said, I was actually watching the sheep. And it's really important because if you watch the sheep for long enough, you see the ones that are caught in the brambles. You see the ones that look a bit unhealthy, the ones that are limping. You see the ones when they pass by and you run your thumb and your finger down their spine, you see that they're not doing too good. It's really important. It actually really informed him to then be a church leader later on. But in our connect group, we do a bit of that, don't we? We sit on the fence and we watch the people in our group and we say, ah, that person's a bit quiet this week. Ah, that person hasn't been for three weeks. Ah, that person reacted quite strongly when we mentioned that subject. And we shepherd and we look and we see. And we've got this opportunity to draw alongside and to speak truth and to point people to Jesus and to point people to the Father in the groups that we have on the bus, in the bus stop, in the coffee shops, wherever it is, having eyes that are open, being a parakletos, somebody that can draw alongside in the power of the Spirit. But we can speak words of life to people. What an amazing opportunity that the Spirit of God lives in us that can fire our imagination, give us just a word or a phrase in season, a scripture verse, like we did with the guy from Saturday Meal, Psalm 139, age old, thousands of years, Psalm. 
but speaking right to his situation. You're seen, you're loved, the thoughts before you think them. God knows them. We prayed and he was drawn to tears and moved to tears. And um, that wasn't because um, anything that we kind of said or anything. It was the spirit of God revealing God's heart through his word. We can speak truth to others that we're chosen, not forsaken. We are who God says we are. Let me just finish with a final song and then we'll have an opportunity just to come and just to wait on God, for God to do his thing, for God, the Spirit of God, to draw alongside us, for him to place a hand on our shoulders, to love upon us, to encourage us, to fire our imaginations, to give us hope again for the place where he's placed us. When I was a teenager, um, I started playing the guitar and um, I wasn't very good, but I, I could get by by sort of doing a couple of worship songs in the old songs of praise hymn books and so on, you know. Um, and when I was going through a difficult time, when my parents' marriage was breaking down, I remember I couldn't sleep and I used to wake up in the middle of the night and just kind of like thinking, oh, how's this going to play out? What's going to happen? You know, the world had kind of been shaken a bit. And, and I just used to go and re look for a guitar. Now, obviously, if everyone's asleep in the middle of the night, you can't get an acoustic guitar like this guy. I had to get an electric guitar. And obviously, I didn't plug the guitar in because that would have woke everybody up in the house. But if you get an electric guitar that you don't plug in, it's unplugged, you can strum away and you can play. No one can actually hear it. And what I used to do is, um, when I would wake up in the middle of the night, I'd creep downstairs and I'd light a couple of candles, and I'd get some hymn books out, and I'd just worship and just cry out to God, and everyone was asleep and nobody knew. It was just me and Jesus, me and God at this time, my songs in the night that I would worship and play to God, and it was a great sense of feeling like the spirit, the paracletus, was over me and around me and drawing alongside me. It was a great source of hope for me in their moments as I sang my songs in the night. I was, uh, went to a church uh, that I was brought up in and um, there was a guest speaker at the church. Now this guest speaker had never been to the town where I was born before. He'd never been to the church before. He didn't know me from Adam. He'd never met me. He didn't know anything about me. It was his first time there at the church and in the town. But he invited people to come forward like we do here. And he said, I'd love just to say a prayer over you and just allow God to do his thing. So I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll go forward. I'll be brave. You know, draw close with confidence that Jesus is here and his spirit wants to do something in me. So I went forward and I just stood there, like, stood there like we do here on a Sunday. And I just stood and waited on God, for God to minister to me. Not thinking specifically about anything, but just waiting on him. And this guest speaker who'd never met me, never knew me, never been to the church, just came alongside me, a bit like the ship, and he laid his hand on me. And then he leaned in and he just prayed and whispered in my ear and he said into my ear, God sees the songs in the night and he loves them. God sees your songs in the night and he loves them. The Spirit of God comes, he draws alongside us, he speaks truth to us, he speaks life to us and it changes us. It changes us, it repositions us for our week, for our life just going to have an opportunity now. And in a moment, I'm going to invite people to be brave and confident and to draw close to God. You might be the sort of person that's like, oh, you know, that's not my jam. I don't come to the front. I don't wait on God in the front. That's, that's not for me. But can I encourage you? 
to try something new, to do something new? Can I encourage you to draw close to God, knowing that he draws close? And that might be physically drawing close, coming forward and just waiting on God. I'd love a moment where we just wait on the parakletos, where we just wait for the Spirit of God, the advocate, the counselor, just to draw alongside us, just to encourage us, to bless us, to remind us who we are.